The following program is underwritten in part by World's Best Cat Litter. You love your cat, but you don't love the litter box mess. Switch to World's Best Cat Litter and get a cleaner litter box with less hassle and less litter. Find it at Target, Walmart, and in your local grocery and pet stores. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. Here's the toll-free number, 1-866-405-8405. And don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. But it's more fun if you call us toll-free, because then we get to actually speak to you in person. If you have a question about your pet, your dog, your cat, your flamingo, or you just want to check in, we always love hearing from you. Now, I understand today Miranda Lambert, country star icon Miranda Lambert, will be joining us. Is this correct? Am I reading this right? rumor. Let's just leave it as rumor. How'd you pull that off? Well, I don't know that we've pulled it off. Yeah, we don't know yet. (laughs) She was supposed to be on two other times. Right. And first time she was sick. First time, yeah, okay. And the second time. Can't, can't hold that against her, no, right? No, you can't. Right? No. And the second time, I, she was just delayed half hour, half hour. We just couldn't. Well, you know how those country star types yeah. get. They have a pretty busy schedule. Yeah. So. So doesn't she have like a foundation for animals, for, she for does. dogs and cats? It's called Mutt Nation. And now she's got, uh, pet line which she is selling to help fund her foundation oh and she gives back to the animals that way okay we'll find out more about it hopefully she'll be with us i'm hoping uh, robert simro will be with us with five ways pets serve in the military five ways pets serve in the military hmm. it'll be interesting i could think of a couple but uh, robert does his homework joey what are you working on well, we're going to talk about cats today. Um, you know, unlikely, uh, you know, topic for me, but, um, we're going to talk about cats and how to take care of their coat and if we should start over fresh or brush them out at home and what to do. That's just not a problem we have here at the studios. See, the I part. got short haired cats and a short haired dog. I was smart. Yeah, you were. They're pretty maintenance <laughs> yes. free. I know. No clipping or grooming or anything. Joey makes no money off of your animals. <laughs> Take that right. No, now. I don't. I'll figure out a way, though. Okay. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Well, I got uh, two things going on with dog shows. There's a technique that is being used, and I'm sure it's being used here because, you know, everybody shares their secrets. But something that they're doing in England that the kennel club there is not very happy about. And uh, we're going to be seeing a new dog show on TV here in America. Okay. Well, that's on the way in just a couple of minutes with Lori Brooks. Let's go to the phones. 1-866-405-8405. Or you can ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone. Uh, Download that puppy now. Let's go to Robin. Hey, Robin, how are you? I'm doing fine. Is there something I can do to uh, stop the eating of one's own poop? Ooh. Sure, you can pick it up. (laughs) Sorry. Well, I do that. And be a smart button on that one. 
I don't know. I'm feeding a diabetic diet to one dog, and it must be uh, great the second time around. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I laugh because I had the same thing with one of my last Labradors, and um, his poop, um, he had food allergies, and he was on a special diet, and something was so savory about his poo that my um, my Bouvier pup, she just could not wait to snatch up that poo. So um, I, I know exactly the frustration you're going through there. But, um, yeah. So, so picking up the poop is an important thing because opportunity and access is always uh, an issue here. So if there's a lot of poop laying out there, it's harder to monitor a pet. Um, so, and that's the other thing is, you know, accompanying the dog outside to monitor and, and kind of observe and make sure that they're not getting access to that. So for my dog, that meant I took her out on a leash and I gave her the potty command and then I'd take her in. And I, I really set her up to not go after the poop. So we, if she walked near it, it was a um, leave it. And she learned that command and that was something she learned to avoid. There is a point, though, with some dogs that deterrents come into play. So, you know, there's a lot of the different uh, forbid, deter products that are uh, ingredients that you feed to the dog so that their poops taste bad to dogs. And I have some clients have great success with them. I can't say that I see a ton of success across the board on that. What I personally have found the most success with is kind of disgusting and um, kind of fun for a veterinarian like me. <laughs> so, but, but, but I actually did, um, I did a, a company to her outside. I picked up all the poop in the yard, and but I would leave one little turdlet outside. And in that turdlet, I would actually poke a hole and I took Tabasco sauce, and I squeezed it inside Ooh. the poop, and then covered the poop up. So a lot of people say, oh, put Tabasco sauce on the poop. Well, dogs aren't stupid. They know what it smells like, and they can smell it and taste it on the surface. But when you put it inside the turd, you will have more success. And um, that's why I say it does take a little grossness. But I personally, that was the, the number one thing that caused my dog to really develop her own negative association for it. <laughs> How and, many times uh, did it take? Just curious. <laughs> Uh, you'd have to say, well, we, we'd often, I'd change the poop. So it was there for the taking if she wanted it. Uh-huh. Um, I think she probably got it maybe three times, maybe. And this is over the course of, you know, six months, something of that time frame. Because uh, it was her habit for quite some time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that can be a really big thing. And, um, <laughs> it, and I think a lot of dogs are more driven to that. And also it depends on how we respond to it. So there is also a psychological component of um, making it a game where, you know, if mom is grossed out by seeing me pick up this poop in my mouth, they're going to chase me and woo, we're going to run around the yard and I'm going to try to have her pry it out of my mouth. Oh. And um, so that becomes the game and that becomes more fun and actually more exciting than, you know, eating poop, which, you know, we can't imagine. So you have to watch how you're handling the situation. So it means just to swallow your own disgust in the situation and um, distract uh-huh. So food, squeaky toys, running the other direction, pulling uh-huh. your dog away from the environment without making it a confrontation. I Does see. that make sense? So there's no uh, uh, credence to the, the, the idea that maybe it's a uh, vitamin deficiency or... Uh, I would say, you know, in dogs that are on current uh, diets, if they're in good health and they're eating a quality balanced diet, it's it's not terribly common. Um, what I do find, as I mentioned, and, and you witnessed, is that some dogs' stool tastes differently or different has a different attraction for some pets. Uh-huh. And those pets that have a tendency to eat feces uh, might be more inclined to with those pets. And, and definitely, you know, having a diabetic pet in the home, um, you know, there's certainly the, the potential uh-huh. 
that there's different waste products that may be more um, uh, enticing. Oh, wow. <laughs> Take care of all the little puggies. Thanks again. Bye-bye now, Robin. Robin just called toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. That's the best way to get through to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Volani, the dog father. You can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, Jan, welcome to the show. Yes, hi. I have Dr. Debbie right here. What's up? Hi. I have a six-year-old Persian, uh, and she will not come to her name. What's her name? Her name is, I call her Sugar Baby. That might be it. <laughs> she doesn't answer to anything, anything at okay. all. And I know she can hear because of loud sounds and the doorbell and all that, and she runs. But mm-hmm. she will not come to anything that I call her. The only okay, time I can get her attention is uh, a shaker with treats in it. That's it. There you go. There you go. You just hit upon it. Cats don't respond and listen like a dog does. So, you know, that... There's an old saying that dogs will come when they're called and cats will ask you to leave a message. And it is so true. It is so true. Cats have to have a motivation because naturally they're just kind of that kind of critter that they hang back and say, what? You want me to do what? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So we need to motivate her. Now, if she doesn't care for the name, that's the other thing. So some, some general tips when you name a pet, whether it's a dog or a cat, we want to keep it short. So we want to have one to two syllables. You don't want to make it a very long, drawn-out name. Um, uh-huh. and preferably, um, we try to end the name on a vowel, especially because that makes our voice kind of um, rise at the end. So we say uh-huh. frisky. We say baby, and your voice goes up, and it helps to kind of keep keep their attention while you're calling them. And then we also Mm -hmm. want to make sure you don't want to use anything that sounds like people's names in the homes or any bad words uh, (laughs) or anything else Mm -hmm. where it might sound like a command. So in a cat, you have a special situation because you have to get over this hurdle of motivation. And Mm -hmm. most things in the cat world rely and circulate around food. So that is the great motivator for cats. And Mm -hmm. I would encourage you, if if it's important for you, for the cat to Mm -hmm. come, when you're calling, then you work towards that by using food rewards. And Mm -hmm. preferably that is done where you limit the amount of actual food that's available at that time. So you don't want a cat that can go up to the food bowl, graze, and say, thank you, I'm quite full right now. I don't really want to perform. So you... cut back a little bit on the food or preferably do this uh, little play sessions, training sessions before you put that food down. Um, Uh And then use your command, come, um, start it off with her name, uh, hopefully something cute like baby, uh, Snooky or whatever. Yeah, I call her her baby. Yeah. Okay. And then use the command and give the food reward afterwards. And it takes a lot of time for cats to get this compared to dogs just because, you know, they kind of lose interest. Um, but you want to make sure you pair it with food, pair it with food, and preferably something really yummy, tasty, those treats that you wouldn't mm-hmm. give normally, you give when you want to work with her and her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can mm-hmm. you can even do clicker training for cats, believe it or not, um, if mm-hmm. uh, if you work on it. Good, good, good luck with that. We have uh, four cats well, in the you. studio, and uh, one of them actually comes for its medicine. We can call, we can actually let the cat outdoors and call it to come like a dog. So, but then the other cats, they wouldn't give us the time of day on a bed. Yeah. Good well, luck with I, I know um, my daughter's got a couple cats and they all come to their name mm. yeah she's lucky she's lucky yeah well hopefully yeah. you can work this out let us know how it works out we're, we're curious to I find will. out if dr I debbie's will. advice really works or not thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> thanks 
tell. <laughs> Voice of confidence there. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. One eight six. Of course it does. She is our vet, by the way, and we trust her implicitly with your animals. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five to connect with our dream team. This healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more over at redbarninc.com, and thank you so much, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food, but we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. You remember how Julia Louis-Dreyfus from Seinfeld danced? Oh, that's yeah. sort of like what you look like there when you dance. Oh, yeah. that's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't do much in a chair. Well, maybe you can, but... <laughs> it's Animal Radio. If you want to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani, the number is toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. And in just a few minutes, Joey's going to uh, tell us how to groom a cat, something I've actually never had to do, because every cat I've ever had really took care of themselves, very fastidious, but I understand if you have a, a long hair cat, and that's what we're mostly talking about here. They do have to see the groomer. Yeah, absolutely. Not even, not just long hair. I mean, short-haired cats um, get, you know, depending on how short the hair is. If you have a cat that has um, that has anything over, I'm going to say, an inch and a half to two inches of hair, a lot of times what will happen is when they shed, that'll stay in the coat if they don't clean themselves real well, which some cats do and some cats don't. Other cats, I would and imagine. That, and, and you know what? That can get bound up in there and mat up as well, just, just as bad as a, you know, long-haired cat like a Persian. Do all groomers groom cats, or are you just one of the rare? No, no, I'm a rare breed. Um, a lot of groomers don't. A lot of a lot of groomers don't want to deal with them at all. It's 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 difficult, and in a lot of cases, most groomers will um, send them off to Doctor Deb um, and have a veterinarian deal with them there. Um, really, cats can be difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a two person process, um, even for for a good cat, uh, because sometimes even the best cat in the world, um, you know, when they decide that they've had enough, they've kind of had enough. So for it to be a safe experience for both the pet and the groomer, um, you need two people. It's, t- it's time um, consuming and it's costly. You know, Joey brings up a good point is that some cats don't groom themselves well. And I do find that, you know, with age, uh, as cats get older, they don't always groom really well. And that could be because of dental disease or arthritis or even just becoming obese. Yep. And there's kind of a classic pattern of matting along the rump area that we see when a cat can't turn around and groom themselves or even, you know, clean their butt area. They'll get infections down there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a point where you need to get professional help to maintain and keep them in good health. Now, so do people actually drop off their animals to be groomed to you, Dr. Debbie? 
Yeah, but most of the ones we see are, and I'd say over 50% have to be restrained or sedated in some way um, because they're the ones that no groomers want to see or they maybe have a medical problem that we have to manage while they're with us. So um, a lot of kitties I have that are older with kidney disease um, or with arthritis, you know, it isn't always safe. Sometimes their skin is so thin, it's easy to cut them. Uh-huh. Um, so we may need to, you know, use some sedation and just extra caution to, to kind of be aware of those particular tender spots that they have and, and work around that. Ooh. And I give Joey credit, man. Grooming cats, you know, it's it's kind of like that old thing like, uh, you know, herding cats. <laughs> it's, it's, it can be tough. <laughs> so if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani, now's the time to call toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. Miranda Lambert, country star Miranda Lambert, still supposed to be calling us here in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Uh, Lori, what are you working on? Well, you know, sometimes there are things happen on live TV, earthquakes and stuff like that and it's always interesting to see the presenter the host response this time it happened when a stray cat a kitten just walks into a live tv broadcast studio while they're on the air and this poor guy's trying to read the news very cute story with a happy ending we have uh, animals in here always walking across our equipment and I know, even while we're trying to do the show. There's actually a cat <laughs> sitting on the microphone right now. Picture that. Just, just. Yeah, but that's not unexpected. You know, now what happens if, like, say, a bat flies in or a raccoon jumps through your door? That might be different. Okay. Um, not something you'd expect. That there would be different go. here. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's uh, go to the phones for your calls. one 405 8405 Well, good day, David. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine, thank you. How can we help you today, David? Okay, my question is this. I have a ten-and-a-half-year-old Yorkie Poo, and I usually would be able to give him just about anything, and it wouldn't bother him. But in the last six months or so, uh, he gets the runs at the drop of a hat. And even even I, I started mixing his food with some canned food to kind of make it a little bit more palatable for him. Mm-hmm. And that was okay, but even now that bothers him. What What's going on with my dog? Okay, so is the problem that he's not eating, or is it just that he's having loose stools? Loose stools. Okay, so his appetite is sound, that's good? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then I would not add in canned food, because that can ruin the whole process of what you're trying to do. If you're having loose stools with your pet, and you add in canned food... That actually can have a tendency for many pets to loosen up the stool. Um, there's a lot more moisture content in that, and it, it's kind of like, you know, be like eating a lot of pumpkin pie if you have diarrhea. It, it's not going to help things in any way there. So I would really be looking more at our diet structure as far as what we are feeding, and there are some diets we'll go to a higher fiber content if we want to firm up the stool some. Now, the other thing I'm going to say is I would certainly make sure we have the stool and your pet checked at the veterinarian because, you know, we could have something like worms. We can have other issues going on. There's problems in digestion with a pancreas that can cause a chronic problem with loose stools. I'd say the number one problem in most cases is we choose a diet that doesn't agree with our pet's bowels. And the number one thing I look at when I pick a food, a lot of people say, what's the best food out there, Doc? It's going to be the best one that agrees with your pet. That's always one of the first things. So do they like it? And does it produce nice, solid poops that are consistent? So that might be something we look at. Is the current food you're going with, you know, maybe nothing bad against the company, but it may not be 
the trick for your pet. And to change that, we would find another and kind of gradually introduce that new diet over a period of about a week to two weeks. See what the poops go like, and then we can make a decision. Is it better, worse, no different? Um, but I would certainly, before we start on the strategy of trying different foods and moving around, you know, like I said, I'd make sure your baby's checked out A-OK by the vet and bring a nice uh, bag of poop for the vet. It really makes our day when you guys do that. <laughs> All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with canine caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Dog show officials in England have sparked a little battle with, well, let's call it a big battle and be real, uh, with dog trainers there over plans to ban one of the secret techniques that they use during dog show competitions. The Kennel Club, that's kind of like the AKC here, same thing over there, has moved to crack down on the controversial use of what is called double handling due to fears that it leaves the dog feeling super stressed. The technique involves a second trainer who is not on the show floor, but instead out in the audience. And it is attracting the attention of the performing dog by using a whistle or a toy or something like that to get the dog's attention so that the dog looks more alert. You know, like, where is that noise coming from? So to stop the practice, the club says that it will have officials now secretly sitting in the audience. But several well-known trainers say it doesn't matter. The double handling is going to continue as it has for the last 30 years. But maybe they say it just won't be so obvious and over the top as it is now. Now, what is it? Is it is it stressing them out? Is that what they're complaining about? I don't understand what it does wrong to the dog. They say because the dog is pretty much stressed out anyway because it's in the show and, you know, all the people and the noise and the handling and all that, that then you have somebody who is out in the audience that is... You know, so now you have two people diverting the dog's attention, mm. you know, and somebody who the dog knows maybe it's the owner or another handler or something, and they're squeaking a toy or doing something. It's just a lot for the dog to take in. Okay. I understand. Now you get it? I get it. <laughs> I get easily distracted, too. If there was somebody out in the Wait. audience with a squeaky toy, I'd be, you know, confused. As yeah, I, I know. Am. You'd be, yeah, drooling. Yeah. <laughs> but they say, um, the, the dog handlers say that it actually, to them, adds some ambience to what's going on at the dog show, that people kind of look for this, you know, and think it's kind of funny. So who knows what's going to happen. Hmm. But uh, speaking of dog shows, USA Network has announced that it will be broadcasting the Beverly Hills Dog Show for the first time ever. That show is going to feature more than a 1,000 dogs of more than 200 different breeds and will air on Easter Sunday of next year. And one of the hosts is going to be the funny, one of our friends, the familiar John O'Hurley, who we uh, have had on as a guest several times. 
And uh, with dog meals, including blueberries, basil, chia seeds, good things, human-grade chicken, Ollie, a new name, is looking to freshen up the dog food industry, starting in New York City, of course, with a line of custom-made subscription dog food. Hmm. Ollie's uses a unique kind of algorithm. They use it to customize each order and, and tailor it to your dog, ensuring that it's getting a balanced diet. Some of the factors it takes into account include weight, uh, the dog's activity level, if it has allergies or not, and the dog's age. Uh, Ollie's hope is to provide food dogs love and help combat health issues like obesity and diabetes, which are pretty prevalent now. But here's how the service works. You as a pet parent would choose between two options, chicken or beef. And then once the made-to-order meal is prepared, the company ships out the food fresh to your home weekly or bi-weekly. Naturally, the convenience and freshness does come at a cost. They say for two weeks of food for small dogs, that's around 10 pounds and under. It's estimated the cost to be about $42. Medium dogs will set you back 70 bucks for two weeks of food. And then for large dogs, that will average around $100 every other week. That's not that bad. I thought was, it was kind of yeah. high. Did you? Like, well, yeah. For this, might have a small dog, and it's like forty dollars. What do you spend? What, what do I, I spend? spend? No, I, <laughs> what do you spend, Judy, Judy? Judy, you must spend like each can that you buy has got to be what a buck fifty. Oh no, closer Two. to about two fifty. Two fifty. Yeah. And how many cans yeah. do you go through a week? Oh, probably about. Let's see, seven days. Probably about. But lady four or tiny. five, yeah, four or five cans. Yeah, that's just a little. Okay, you guys do the ten dollars, twenty dollars. We'll be doing the math while you yeah. do the news. Okay, yeah. it's still a little more than I spend. Well, you know, it's some kibbles out there are really expensive, so it might be a good deal. And, and I think anything they're going to do to improve the dog food industry, the state that it's in now, is a good thing. A kitten became an unexpected guest. Gosh, I wish this had been on American TV. It was on a morning show program in Turkey recently after the kitten wandered into the studio. Maybe somebody left a door open or something. And the host was reading the news while all of this happened, by the way. Uh, the kitten was very comfortable on camera. <laughs> then in spontaneous kitten fashion, it really stole the show when it hopped over onto a table full of newspapers. Cats love newspapers. It's romping around in the newspapers. And then the host attempted to complete the segment as the kitten then continued to crawl across the broadcast desk before it finally settled on the keyboard of the host's laptop. Of course. While he's trying to read. That's so typical cat, isn't it? Oh, yes. All on live TV. I love it. Now, when the show ended, it had a happy ending. A staff member fed the kitten and then immediately announced that she was adopting the little guy. Oh, that's I saw that yeah. video. That was so cute. A little kitten oh. just walking around the desk. Dang, I wish this, well, no, we don't wish this was TV because we'd have to change our clothes and do our hair. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. We have faces for radio. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com.
Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you'll be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. I had two tips um, that I was deciding about today, and um, you know, earlier in the studio we were talking about cats, so I'm going to go with my cat tip today. Um, I had a woman who um, asked me; she has a Persian, and um, the cat is, um, is is apparently pretty matted and um, needs to be groomed, and she wants to know how to go about it. And one thing with cats, which I'll say is, um, you know, cats can be a little bit difficult to groom so really depending on your cat's temperament is going to determine what you can do at home if it's like a tortoise shell and you know people whose cats are extremely mad at know what I mean by a tortoise shell it, it actually gets hard and um, and real tight to the skin and when it gets to that point and I think it is in this particular situation go to your professional one thing cats have very very thin skin and trying to do the clipper work at home sometimes is really really dangerous even when we do it in the grooming salon it's a process that takes two people um, in most cases because number one you want to keep the pet calm number two you want to be able to stretch that skin enough so we could do a, a really really good job without injuring the pet and start over now if that's the situation what you want to make sure you do is get a little t-shirt or a sweater for your cat so they feel like they have something on them what will happen is the pet is going to feel strange they're not going to really know what happened but they're going to feel strange so a lot of times cats will go and they'll hide and um, until they feel a little bit more comfortable but if they have something on them that makes them feel a little bit more secure like they have a coat um, on, on or they have hair growth on them um, they feel a little bit more secure but one thing, if you brush and comb your cat and get them used to it, and you do this, it doesn't have to be daily. Do it weekly. A brush and a comb, run it through your pet. You'll never have problems. You'll never have a matted cat. You'll have a cat that has a real nice, healthy coat that will be able to clean themselves and be able to maintain it. But once it gets to that matting, you know, go to your professional groomer, have it done by them, get it back in order, and just maintain it. Okay. We've been lucky. We haven't had to groom our cats. Well, we've got short hair cats. Yeah, I we have short haired cats. You could still brush and comb and get rid of the water that, you know, get rid of the, the dead coat that comes out. And, and, you know, it actually helps your cat as I, well. You know, give, give, it makes them feel better. It's like exfoliating for us. I uh, flea comb them every day, which mm-hmm. kind of keeps their coat. Wow, that's nice. okay. That's I really do. good. Yeah, I, I enjoy that. They enjoy it. You do it separately. It looks like you did it with your hair, too. Yes, you I did. Comb? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, when you've got fleas in your hair, that's yes. the easiest way without chemicals. Uh, if you, you want to talk to Joey Falani or Dr. Debbie, toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five right now. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. 
I'm in the mood for love, and evidently mice are too, and they want to sing about it. You probably thought those little squeaks a mouse make were just random little squeaks, and that's what the experts thought too. But research at the Washington University in St. Louis found that male rats. Actually, serenade their potential dates with a little song. Scientists recorded romantic mouse squeaks, then slowed down the recording, which showed that mice were singing a little song, complete with a little melody and rhythm. Each mouse was singing his own little unique song, over and over and over. How romantic! I'm Brit Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Radio. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again—the one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to fidofriendly.com and subscribe today. This is Animal Radio. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Santa Ana, California. How can we help you today? Um, I'm going to be getting a Pekingese puppy, and I was just wondering, what type of food would you feed it? Because I haven't raised one of those type of dogs before. Okay. What's your experience been in dogs? Um, I've had poodles. And I've had an Afghan, and I've had a Samoy dog okay. years ago. All right. Well, the good thing and the good news is they're very similar with some minor changes for small dogs. Um, some of the special concerns we might have for small dogs are going to be on the uh, size of the um, kibble mm-hmm. and are going to be concerns with uh, hypoglycemia. Um and size of the kibble basically being that a lot of times for the smaller breeds of dogs, we will go uh-huh. to a, the small bite variety of foods. Uh-huh. Um, just a little easier for their little mouths to deal with and not as large to worry about so much of a choking hazard. Uh-huh. The other thing is I mentioned hypoglycemia. And this is more for small breeds or even so much the toy breeds, the really mini breeds. Um, when they're young, we get concerned that if they are not eating on a regular timeline, they can actually have a very serious drop in their blood sugar. And it's not always caused by something that you're doing wrong. It just can happen in some of these dogs. So um, for small breeds of dogs, and I'd include a Pekingese mix in that, would be to make sure that we are feeding at least three times a day. And any change in appetite, um, anything digestively, we, we take that very seriously in these little ones because we just can't let them run that risk of getting hypoglycemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then do you know how old the pup is? It was just born like about a month ago. Okay, fabulous. So we're going to have a youngin then. And a lot of times as you're starting off with a new puppy, you know, if they're six weeks, seven, eight weeks of age, a lot of times they'll even moisten their food um, or give canned food. Um, not a huge canned food fan as a long-term thing, but sometimes for pups, just as we're transitioning them and getting them comfortable um, into a dog food, um, we'll do that. My preference is to take a kibble and moisten it with warm water um, because then I feel like you're not really even good 
going into that canned food, and hopefully you won't have that that fussy, picky dog that says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to take dry food now. I only want that smelly canned food stuff, which costs more, Mom. Um, (laughs) So I just try to avoid it if I can. Um, As far as brands for food, um, my recommendations are to find what your dog likes, Stick with major brands um, and those that have good, solid nutritional histories. So um, depends on what did you feed your previous pets? I have been so long ago that I had those. It was like when I was real young. And I don't remember. Yeah. I remember feeding the Gainsburg, the little Gainsburger. Oh, that's what we fed my dog when I was a kid, and I've learned better since then. <laughs> uh-huh. the, the semi-moist foods, if we can stick to more of a dry food, um, you'll have more consistent dietary health. So I, I generally, there's a lot of brands that I'm fans of. I have folks that feed um, Science Diet, IAMS, um, the Nutro. Um, some folks have some great results with just Purina. Um, uh-huh. So just, I would say, look for the small bite varieties. And, mm-hmm. um, and then keep that in mind as far as the frequency of feedings that you'd want to go to. Um, but yeah, I'm not really big into like, you know, having a single preference on foods. I, mm-hmm. I very much like to adapt it to the individual pet and to their health conditions if there's anything going on there. And then when, how many months should they be before you get a, get a female spade? Okay, yeah. Um, most cases we will spay at six months of age. Um, in some areas of the country, they may have, in, like in Las Vegas here, we have an early spay-neuter law. So by f- between four to six months is typically where they'll require that to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, as a puppy, though, you're going to have some other things before then to address. We start mm-hmm. vaccinations at six weeks in puppies. Mm-hmm. Vaccinating, deworming, and checking those poop samples for parasites for uh, their protection as well as yours. And mm-hmm. then we usually do that um, until they're about four months of age. So you'll have generally monthly visits there um, through the puppyhood time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of good stuff to cover and go yeah. over. And I know, um, I know. Yeah. And, and all the, and the, the puppy training and the potty training, oh my goodness, so we could just talk for hours here, couldn't we? <laughs> I know, I know. Stephanie, I have some uh, food samples for you to try. We'll send out your way if you hold on for a second and we'll get your information. Thanks for your call. Hey, Joey, I have a question for you. Every year about this, you know, time of year, we get, um, you know, my dogs tend to come up with this. We call them, I don't know what they are, staphies, like it's some kind of a staph infection. It's a a crusty, kind of moist thing, like a scab on their skin, and their hair comes out. Yep. Yeah, I know. It's, it's almost like a hot spot. Um, in most cases, doctors will diagnose it as a hot spot. And a lot of times that happens during the change of the seasons. Um, it could happen, it can happen at any time, but usually you'll see when it goes summer into fall or spring into summer when it's still a little bit warm out. Okay, um, I'll tell you what you want to do is if it's not real serious and you catch it right away before it has to go to a veterinarian, what we would do is we would clean the area with basic soap and water, um, comb away all the dead the dead coat or if there's any knots and tangles, get it out of the way. Now, I'll tell you what, and a lot of veterinarians are going to say, and you're going to cringe when I say this, but I learned this from a veterinarian himself. I learned this from a veterinarian that was out in the woods of, oh, God, West Milford, New Jersey, and this dog had exactly what you're explaining, and no one can cure it. And this is where I found out what bag bomb was. And he says, just get some bag bomb, put it on that, and it'll cure it. And bag bomb is what they put on cows' udders for um, when, when they get chapped. And you know what? The guy did that, who was a friend of mine, and um, cured the dog. And that was after 
$4,000 of treatments over the years? I just knew that it had to be clean, so I've been using chlorhexidine to clean it. That works great. And, you know, witch hazel, I mean, if you're not going to use soap and water, yeah, chlorhexidine um, um, works great. And, you know, witch hazel works good, too. It's not real strong where it's going to irritate, but it will do enough to, um, you know, clean up clean up the area. But if it's very pussy and all, you know, go to your veterinarian. Have it treated no, by No, not at all, but it does have a kind of a slight stink S- to it. smell, yes. Yep. I just ordered some bag balm from Amazon, by the way. Thank you. There you go. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Now, I don't listen to a lot of country music. I, I don't know about you. Dr. Debbie, you seem like you'd be kind of a country gal. You'd listen to country music. Not at all. No. Not really. What is uh, your choice of, uh, like, in the operating room? Because we know surgeons, <laughs> they all have their music going when they're they're operating. What? Well, there's different things. There's different musics for Dr. W. There's the, you know, at work trying to calm down thing, or there's the driving in my car singing as loud as I can. <laughs> so there's two different worlds I live in. <laughs> um, outside of work, I listen to Top 40, um, I just mostly like party music. Uh, I come from the era of, you know, dance music, uh, hip hop. That's kind of what I grew up with. Wow. So that's what I know. So I'm definitely not a country gal. Um, but yeah, at work or when I'm trying to chill out, I listen to classical. Um, so I like to listen to classical or even nature sounds. Believe it or not, that's kind of like what I do to kind of chill out. Just mellow out. I understand that completely. Yeah. What about you, Joey? Well, as you guys know, I'm a, you know I grew up in the '80s. I'm an '80s heavy metal guy. Like metal grew out but- of that. Yeah, so you know, like I'm a Dio. Iron Maiden, you know, Sabbath, um, Led Zeppelin. But, you know, not in the grooming salon. In the grooming salon, you listen to calm, because you got to listen to calm things, because otherwise mm-hmm. the pets will react to whatever you're listening to, they are going to react. So if I'm banging my head, and I could do it with Gurney. Gurney likes that. But in, in the grooming salon, no. you you got you got It has to be mellow, soft rock, you know? You know what? There's a brand-new album out, and I just saw this. It's a classical album, and it was designed for cats. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna? Are you trying David, to get the David Tide? Tide? I'm not sure how to yeah. pronounce his name. Yes. You're trying to get him on the show, right? I've already got him booked. He's coming up. Oh well, that's very exciting. Next couple of weeks. Anyway, what happened is he wrote this music for cats. It has purring in it, and it has instruments that he's tested, and cats like it. It's such a hit that it's actually uh, appealing to humans now, and is on the top charts of iTunes. But cats I'm never- sure I'll be listening to it, and I'll be purring anytime soon. You know what? I t- I listen to it. It's very calming and very relaxing. So you. Very excited to have him on. A couple weeks? A couple weeks. Okay. Well, the reason I asked about your musical tastes is because Miranda Lambert, country star Miranda Lambert, will be on with us in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. And if you're a country listener, I'm sure you know who she is. But I'm I, sure a lot of people know who she is, whether you don't or not. The way I know her is she has a foundation for animals. Mm-hmm. And she's very involved with uh, helping the pets and companion animals. So uh, she'll be on. And i got to say... We think she'll be on because we're hoping we're hoping she she did miss two prior engagements with us. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out in just a couple of minutes if she'll show up today. 
Uh, let's see, Lori, what are you working on? Well, what would you celebrate at a catnip festival? I'll give you a clue. I'll tell you, it is not catnip. Huh? <laughs> but it's it's something to do with cats and that most every single cat lover in the world loves. And we'll tell you what it is coming up. Let's go to the phones for your calls. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, hello. Where are you calling from? Harrisville, Michigan. Harrisville, Michigan. Harrisville. I I have some relatives out in that part. You wouldn't happen to know them, would you? Well, I happen to know Terry Boucher, who is your uncle, and my understanding is he's a neighbor of mine. Oh, wow. Oh, how fabulous. Yes. <laughs> Small world. Well, what can I do for you today? Well, I have a sweet dog. His name is Elvis. He's about a nine-year-old dog. He's a miniature poodle. Um, he happens to have one eye. He came to us that way when he was nine months old. He is real high energy, and he's a really good dog. Let me just put, say that out there. Um, he has separation anxiety. That's our biggest problem. Um, okay. He, when we leave for anything, if I if I go out to the garage for a few minutes, um, anything that we separate, it, it can be for a few minutes. Sometimes it can be for a few hours. He will lift his leg in the house, and that's obviously a really big problem. We mm-hmm. have had him on. Um, a lot of, not a lot, I shouldn't say that, but mainly uh, clonosfermin. Clomipramine? Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Okay. <laughs> had him on that off and on, and at times it's worked, and then other times it seems like it makes him worse. So we okay. generally don't have him on anything. We've tried him on composure, and it doesn't seem to really touch too much of his uh, his energy level. So I'm kind of wondering if you have any ideas of behavior modification if there's such a thing or mm-hmm. um, any medications that you might suggest that I might want to try? Well, um, I guess the, the first thing is when we when we identify inappropriate urination in the home, the, the important thing is to look if there are triggers. Um, and also in an older pet, um, I always like to put it out there that, you know, even if we've uh, gone down that path in treating behavioral problems, I do want to do a thorough health exam and making sure we're screening for things involving the urinary tract, stones, infections, all of that kind of stuff. Because um, that is an important thing. It can exacerbate a pet's behavioral component and it can make us get incomplete treatment. Uh, successes. So that is very important to make sure you, you are working with your veterinarian to get him screened effectively. Make sure he gets a clean bill of health, gets a urine sample, maybe even an x-ray of that bladder to make sure that's all good. Right. So, so in, if this urination only happens when um, his people are away, um, right. you know that, that may help us make a link towards anxiety-driven behavior or separation anxiety. And separation anxiety is kind of a whole gamut of different behaviors. It's not just elimination problems, but it tends right. to be um, you know, a lot of excitement, anxiety, panting, digging, destructive behaviors, eliminating, urinating, defecating. And it usually occurs within a short period of time after a person leaves, yeah, meaning that yeah. if it happens like an hour or two down the road, it's really not separation anxiety. It's probably me- being more bored than anything yeah. else. But if it happens right at the time of departure, that kind of gives us that cue. So a lot of folks, I'll you know, have them videotape if they're not certain the timing of when that happens. Yeah. So the tough thing is that um, that I always like to say with this type of problem, medication only gets you so far. And it can be a great way to help a pet that is dealing with it, especially with a high anxiety component. 
but it is not going to do the trick. And that is where, um, as you mentioned, behavior modification is really, really important. And that is a very, um, I don't want to say involved process, but it's not a simple, simple thing. It does take a lot of work, um, and, and really dedication on everyone in the household to change their patterns of behavior to help the dog. Um, but some, some general strategies that I do, um, I like to set up a real structured environment. So we have set times when we know we're going to do things. We're going to feed. We're going to walk. We're going to exercise. We're going to schedule playtime and, um, kind of try to keep things consistent. So he kind of knows what's coming and going. Um, uh-huh. Exercise is really the number one thing that we can do to help yeah. facilitate training of a dog with high energy or high stress. Um, right. it, it's like I have a client who has a Weimar on her, and, and they're, they're confused on why the dog is so destructive in the home. And these are dogs that have high energy. And it, it can really depend on the individual, on the breed and on the individual dog. But if we have a high energy dog, we've got to burn their energy down. Right. So that may mean, you know, going for runs, playing a ball, retrieving, um, really doing some kind of structured play time. And uh, that should be a concerted effort every single day, if not several times a day. Um, But then the next thing is really um, kind of going back to retraining with house training. And we don't want to just try to correct the times when he's doing things wrong. We need to go back to reinforcing the times that he does things the right way. So that means accompanying him outdoors, giving him positive reinforcement with food um, or even just verbal praise when he does the business outside and focus on the positive associated with that and, and try to not give him the opportunity. So that means, you know, not setting him up to fail. So if he has, you know, free access and you're going to go out, go shopping and he's just running around the house and you knew his pattern of behavior, why do we expect he's going to change on his own this time? Um, So we have to do something. Some dogs can be confined in a kennel and that is fabulous if he tolerates that. Um, Not every dog with separation anxiety will tolerate that though. Um, But we really want to confine his area so that he's not going to too many areas in in marking because we want to do a thorough scent cleanup uh, with an Mm -hmm. Enzyme-based cleaner to disinfect the odor, um, structure it so everything's kind of confined so he doesn't have too much area to go. Use that positive reinforcement, and um, and then I will look at different medications. You've already mentioned clomipramine, which is certainly one of them. Um, as far as um, Prozac or what's also known as fluoxetine is another one that I'll sometimes use. Um, it really just depends on the dog. And if I feel we get some benefit, it's something we try for maybe a month to mm. six or eight weeks. So it's not something we expect big help with right away. Um, yeah, and I, I know that's been some of the problems that we don't give it uh, quite as long as we should. Yeah, and one other simple thing that, you know, a dog with separation anxiety, if we look at what are they upset about, what what is really freaking them out, and it is, it's the separation, visual and distance away from their owner. So you can work on practicing small degrees of personal separation from your dog, and that's something you can exercise in the home. You don't have to go outside, and that's actually, we want him to be calm and relaxed during this, so we want to keep that distance pretty close at first. That may mean you put him in a sit, a down, stay in a particular area, and you reward him for sitting there quietly. And then you may just take a step back, 10, 15, 20 steps. Know the zone when he starts to show anxiety, and we don't want to go past that. And practice the reward. And then you can give him a release command, say, okay, come. And um, work on that so you can go around a corner of your home and go into another part of the house with him still maintaining that quiet, calm composure. And then reward him for those 
little successes so that you can work up to going outside with an open door where he can yeah. see you and feel comfortable right. that you're there. Um, so right. that's what I mean. This kind of stuff, it works, but you, it takes a lot of training. And so if I don't know how uh, available dog trainers are in your area. I know you guys are kind of out there, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. that, that would be... That would be something that, you know, a home visit can really help a lot in helping teach you those steps in your physical environment where you can um, use that to your advantage. One last point I was going to make is when you're, when you're practicing these quiet down behaviors, um, one tool that I found helps a lot of people is called a manners minder. And it's a remote system that has, it dispenses treats. Um, so... So what you can do is practice that distance, it gradually increasing distance, and you won't have to necessarily go back there and reward. So okay. um, it has a little little uh, like a remote thing, and then it dispenses almost like a gumball machine. <laughs> it dispenses nice. a treat for your pet. So that way he can stay in that quiet, di- down, calm position, and um, you can reward him right then and there. May so, I ask um, about a clicker? Is that something that would work after doing the, um, the remote treat, doing a clicker as opposed to the treat and just kind of taking that one more step? or is that too exciting just in itself? Well, it's, it's a lot of things going on. But, yeah, you can do that. Clickers yeah. are faster. That's why it's preferred by a lot of dog trainers because this right. one it takes us to spit out the word good. <laughs> yeah. You can click so much faster. Um, yeah, so, exactly. so, yeah. Well, good luck, Stephanie, and give my best to the family, and uh, I wish you a lot of luck with Elvis there. Well, thank you for your advice. I really appreciate it. This is Animal Radio, baby. If you have cats, I bet you didn't realize there's a connection between common health problems in cats to the type of litter you use. Ammonia forms in the litter box and can cause vomiting, diarrhea, drooling, panting, and even upper respiratory infections. You can stop this by switching to Cat's Incredible Litter. It has patented technology that stops ammonia from forming, with all profits going to help animals in need. Available now at your local pet store and Petco stores nationwide. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. You're a pretty fast typer. I am. I was actually at the top of my class in high school. (laughs) (laughs) You were geeky in high school, weren't you? Well, you know, I, my mother told me the benefits of typing would follow me from high school beyond, and she was so right. She had no idea, probably. Well, I don't think anybody knew computers were going to be such a big deal. But back then, I'm like, you know, my, I had to type my husband's like papers in vet school because he, he just he didn't have that ability to type, and it took him hours to, to type it. He'd so. poke at each little key. Yes, the hunt and poke method, right? What's your fastest clock typing? Oh, I don't remember back then. I think I was probably 110, 20 minute. Wow, wow. that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was I was pretty good. I I was up there with the girls that uh, did the uh, uh, they were tracking the business. Um, you know how accurate that is. That probably would bring me down to eighty words a minute with accuracy. <laughs> so if this vet thing doesn't work out for you, you you still have a career like as a secretary, huh? I, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. Mine was ninety five. Really? Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. that's that was being tested too. I had to be tested mm-hmm. for that. Both yeah. of you ladies have impressed me. Mine is 25. <laughs> yeah, I think mine's less than that. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you can just speak to your computer. You don't actually have to type. So yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, the computer hasn't figured out my accent yet, though. <laughs> Very few of us have. Uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes, Robert Semro with Five Ways Pets Serve in the Military. Uh, I'm assuming we're talking about dogs. I haven't seen any service cats. 
for the military. Uh, there have been birds, pigeons, and things. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. Horses. Horses. Yeah. Lots of animals. Yeah. Well, now I think Robert should have 15 different <laughs> animals. Ways pets have served. We'll find out what's on his mind in just a couple of minutes. Right here on Animal Radio, Miranda Lambert, country star Miranda Lambert. She is also on the way right here on Animal Radio, so you want to stick around for that. Lori, what are you working on this hour? Well, there's an unusual therapy or an emotional support animal story in the news. And we've only heard about this particular animal being used as an emotional support animal one other time. And we'll tell you what it is coming up. It's not a hippopotamus, is it? Because I personally would love an emotional support hippopotamus. It would make me feel a lot better. I want an elephant. I would love an elephant. Can you imagine cleaning up after those guys? I'm just saying. No, thanks. Let's go to JC right now, who wants to talk to Dr. Deb. Hey, JC. Hi, good afternoon. How are you? Good. What's going on? Uh, say, I got a small Datsun. Uh, she's about 10 pounds. Uh, she's about 10 pounds. And, okay. and I heard that if you give chewing tobacco uh, to the dog, is that true that takes the tapeworm out? Uh, no, oh no, no, no. Okay, so no, this is a, a very um, common, like old wives' tale that's out there. This is this is a fallacy. So we don't want to give any kind of tobacco to dogs. It actually is toxic to them. Now, where this ever came from, you know. Most nicotine, when it's given to animals, if they ingest it, it, it'll cause vomiting. So maybe in a pet who has worms, you know, by giving them a tobacco product, you'd see them vomit the worm up. Now, that doesn't mean you're curing them of this problem. You're just going to actually make a bigger problem for this baby. So, so no, we... We need to get into using a typical um, uh, deworming product. Now, you mentioned, is it tapeworms? Is that what you're worried about? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so you're seeing the little um, rice-like segments along the, the butt area that are dried up on the fur. Is that what you're getting? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. So so there definitely are some products that we can use. It, I would direct you to your veterinarian um, because a lot of times you won't get the right ones if you're going over the counter. Um, but there's some different ones. Um, there's one called Drontol, um, and then there's another that's um, Fenbendazole that we can use. Those would be some of the different um, products that I might look at. But you want to get, get that taken care of the proper way. And then also, important to note, tapeworms are linked in their life cycle with fleas. So if you're in a flea endemic area, you also need to make sure you're tackling those fleas to get rid of those guys. All righty. Thank you so much. First time listener, and I appreciate that info. Thank you for listening. We appreciate that. It's always great to hear first-time listeners. one 405 Remember, you can send us your questions at yourvoice at animalradio.com. Call in toll-free to the toll-free number. You can even uh, tweet us your questions at Animal Radio. Uh, by the way, if you sign up for our tweet feed, you'll get all the recalls and the latest news. And over at Facebook at Animal Radio. And do not forget the Animal Radio app for your iPhone or Android. Uh, download that puppy now. You can even ask your questions right from there. That was a wild one. But that was a fun one. Kind of nice, simple, straightforward question. I like that. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Oh, yeah. It's one of those old, old. it's like giving kerosene. Or there's all sorts of things you can hear about. Well, how do, on top of it. how do you get your dog to chew the tobacco? I mean, that's kind of, you know, wouldn't they swallow it? Or do they keep it in their lips, right? Pouch? <laughs> I'm sure it involves putting it in food. And, and, you know, the Labrador owner that I am, you can put just about anything in food and they'll eat it. Oh, wow. 
You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Police in Cleveland have a new weapon on the war on drugs. And she only weighs eight pounds. Midge, a Chihuahua Rat Terrier mix, is Cleveland's newest canine officer. Canine dogs are usually larger breeds, but Midge doesn't let that hold her back. She just passed her state-certified drug training test with high marks in finding marijuana. Her small size was actually an asset. She has a special talent for sniffing it out, using her tiny nose to get into small spaces. Her talents have landed her on numerous TV shows, including CNN, MSNBC, and the Rachel Ray Cooking Show, where that talented nose of hers probably got a real workout. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people, too. Animal Radio. This is Animal Radio. The Movie Man six-second DVD review starts now. Star Trek Beyond doesn't boldly go where no Star Trek has gone before, but that's okay. More of the same is good. I'm in. Just because you don't have time to read a book doesn't mean you can't enjoy stories about artists and groups that you love. To discover a whole new world of audiobooks and hear the stories that made the music, visit HappyLandAudio.com. That's HappyLandAudio.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. What was believed to be a mountain lion seen running through a New Jersey winery, a real exclusive place, has now definitely been identified as a mere very large house cat. In uh, It was the winery that first shared the video of the alleged mountain lion back in September. But a photo of the same animal taken by a trail cam was later reviewed by the state's Environmental Department of Protection. And they said that mountain lions have not existed naturally in those areas for about a century. But then they saw, you know, the photo and the video. And they said the photo was pretty grainy, but still it left no doubt that it was just... A very large cat. <laughs> Officials were actually, they say, quite relieved because they would much rather that it be, you know, a domesticated cat than a mountain lion that's out there on the loose. Well, I don't know. How large does a cat have to be to look like I a know. mountain lion? That's got to be one big cat. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I think what happened is they probably didn't have anything, you know, like, you know, a quarter or a human hand or to something. To put right next there. to it. Right. Yeah. So there was no scale to the photo. <laughs> London's Catnip Festival, I know we're all cat lovers here, is going to be coming up soon during our Thanksgiving weekend. This is a very huge special event, and cat lovers are going to love this. The festival hopes to give you the opportunity for everyone to celebrate your favorite online cat videos with those fellow cat lovers. Uh, the slogan for the event is very clever, too. The festival's website states that it is going to be a massive night of Banging, caterwauling music. That's M-E-W-S-I-C. Wow. Cativities. So let's make history, they say. Wow. Very clever. Uh, it is all the idea of this guy and his friend who had uh, used to be neighbors, and then they moved apart, and then they exchanged online cat videos as they tried to stay in touch with each other. And they had so much fun doing this. 
looking for videos to top their last exchange that they wanted to share the love that they had of doing this. And they say 15% of profits raised are going to be donated to animal shelters and in typical cat fashion. This event is uh, going to be a late night shindig going on all night long starting not until 10 p.m. on November 25th and will last all the way through all night long until 6 the next morning. I want to go. Yeah, it sounds like fun. It does sound like fun. Um, kind of funny. There's a woman who lives in Washington State and is trying to have her pet turkey certified as an emotional support animal. Her name is Mary Pierce, and the baby turkey's name is Sammy. And Sammy is now six months old, and she's had it since it was, you know, a baby. Pierce uses a wheelchair. And she has lupus. And she says that gives her chronic pain as well as bouts of depression. But she says that having Sammy around helps her cope with her health issues. Sammy is um, apparently not your regular infant turkey. Uh, Sammy loves eating bread, enjoys taking baths, and playing with her furry siblings, who happen to be Pierce's pet dogs, <laughs> the animal lover says. I've never thought about having a turkey as a pet, but now that I have Sammy, I don't ever want to give her up. I wonder how long turkeys live. Mm. When Probably you know. not very long. Dr. Debbie, how long do turkeys live? Do you know? I mean... Are... You know, I, because they're usually eaten in the commercial setting, I can't say that <laughs> I, I really know, know so... <laughs> This is what I was saying weeks ago, you know, about the, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't be a dog or a cat or a horse. Whatever animal it takes to be your support animal is, is fine right. with me. Everybody has their, their own choice. And, uh-huh. and this lady, Mary Pierce, is now working on getting Sammy certified as an emotional support animal. But, you know, that does require a doctor's prescription, mm-hmm. a medical doctor, human doctor. Emotional support animals, of course, differ from service animals because they don't actually perform tasks that are directly related to the individual's disability, and so they're not covered by the federal laws which protect the use of service animals like seeing eye dogs. Hmm. hmm. <laughs> or who does a turkey noise? I know Dr. Debbie. Dr. Debbie. Do very good. <laughs> Your husband is a lucky, lucky guy. Lucky, 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 lucky. I'm Lori Brooks. Give more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you will be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Hello, everyone. It's Robert Simro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, Five Ways Pets Serve in the Military. Veterans Day is upon us, and I want to take a minute to thank each and every veteran, their families, and those who support their efforts. It's something that all of us should be appreciative of. And on behalf of those who don't get a chance to say it, thank you for what you do, what you've done, and for helping us to become the nation we can be. Your sacrifice and efforts are appreciated. 
and I also wanted to take a short bit of time to recognize how pets have participated and contributed to the military efforts over the years. Birds were used in a variety of ways, most famously for sending discreet messages and the sharing of intelligence. It's the story of legend, but they earned it from their efforts as messengers, traveling long distances in short periods of time. They've also been used to detect chemical attacks as well. Horses are another beloved animal who have served and continue to serve an important role in the military. Horses have played an important part in many wars, serving as transportation as well as being a symbol of strength and dignity. They serve as ambassadors and are treated as royal members of the guard. Cats have also served in our military, often being embraced for their natural instinct and ability to hunt down the enemy and capture them. In this case, the enemy is most often rodents carrying disease and causing other issues. Still, it's no surprise to anyone that when we think of military participants, we most often think of dogs. As you review the history of dogs in the military, you'll find that in nearly every American conflict and throughout the existence of the military itself, dogs have been active participants. From bomb sniffing to security to search and rescue, you'll find dogs working in the service of the military to serve and protect alongside their human counterparts. In recent years, we've all been wowed by the stories of dogs jumping out of planes, as well as dogs working in combat zones to protect troops. Why have dogs played such a large role in serving? The military? Well, that's easy. Their sense of smell is nearly superhuman, and they have the unique ability to detect the slightest variations in chemicals, foods, and more. Their intelligence and willingness to be trained to perform specific tasks is another strong reason for their use and inclusion in the military. And their willingness and dedication to their handlers has also made them unique in their resilience and capabilities. These days, more and more pets are also finding their newest calling as PTSD therapy pets. These pets play an important role in bringing back a traumatized and/or injured veteran. The stories told by those benefiting are inspiring, heart-wrenching, and something we should all be aware of. Pets are a part of our lives in ways that they might not have ever imagined, including serving in the military. Their contributions and efforts have earned them praise, memorials, dedications, and most importantly, gratitude. Share your military pet stories on our Animal Radio Facebook page. So we're be- we're being solidly stood up by Miranda Lambert. Yes, we are. You'd think that these country singers were a little bit nicer. You would think they'd be yeah, a little more down home. Most of them are. Yeah. Although I can't recall any country singers that we've had on before. Country singers. Yeah, we had, oh. Oh, Tanya Tucker. Tanya she was Tucker. delightful oh, and on time. She, awesome? she was on time, yes. Oh, she was a great interview. Uh, we had Billy Dean. Billy Dean. Yep, he was good. Yeah. How old is Miranda Lambert? She looks like she's a young gal. No, I'm guessing she's probably in her 30s. So, a young 30s. gal. There's a picture here, and she has a really big dog. Or she's really, really, really small. Too bad this is radio. She has a line of products that, uh, I guess, uh, help the animals fund her foundation, mm-hmm. the Mutt Nation Foundation, which she started with her mom, a Bev Lambert. I don't know if Bev's in the biz. But she has a uh, a treat-dispensing toy shaped like a guitar. And oh, Really? Yeah. If you set it to feed at 1 o'clock, it will, like, possibly feed or not possibly <gasps> feed. Or 15 minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, you can't rely on it. So we're uh, still waiting for Miranda Lambert. So I can, I can, um, you know, make believe I'm Miranda. You know, you can ask me questions. Sure. Well, hello, Miranda. How are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Oh, hi. How are you? 
Very good. I'm a big fan of yours, as you probably heard. Country music, my favorite, and I listen to all of your music. I know. I'm a big fan of yours as well. I listen to the show every week. Yeah, I kind of figured as much. Now, tell me, you have a brand new line of uh, pet products that benefit your foundation, huh? Um, I would rather talk about um, Dog Father Joey Volani instead. Um, I'm a big fan of his. You know what? I got to tell you, I have that same problem. I come into the studio, and I'm supposed to do a radio show, but I want to talk about the Dog Father. He is, he's like an enigma. You know what I mean? Yes, if he wasn't married, if he wasn't married, I would scoop him right up. Yeah, I, I hear that doesn't really stop you, though. Um, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not supposed to ask any personal questions. I wouldn't stop me at all. And uh, and um, me, Joey, you know, this is Joey now speaking. Yeah, I got, I got that, the deeper voice. Okay, I just wanted I just wanted you to know. Um, you know, if she really wanted to um, to go out with me, um, I would make an exception, just so you know. No response. Okay. So we're going to move on from Miranda Lambert, huh? Miranda is history. We, we see her in her rearview mirror. Thank you, Miranda, for joining us today. We truly appreciate it. Oh, yes, thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm honored to be on Animal Radio. Second review starts now. A big waste of big talent. The comedy Keeping Up with the Joneses might be one of the worst of the year. I'm out. Just because you don't have time to read a book doesn't mean you can't enjoy stories about artists and groups that you love. To discover a whole new world of audiobooks and hear the stories that made the music, visit HappylandAudio.com. That's HappylandAudio.com. Hi, this is Doug Gray of the Marshall Tucker Band. And forever, you'll always be listening to Animal Radio. Keep loving those pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Roll over. Hey, wait a minute. You haven't taught me how to do that trick. I can give you my paw, though. It's Alan Kimmel on the mess. Not very good at doing tricks. Time for your amazing dog watch. And there he goes. Buddy the dog climbs trees. I've never seen one climb a tree before. That's Jerry. She's Buddy's dog owner, or human companion, or dog roommate, whatever you want to call her. He's been climbing trees since he was a puppy. I'll be trying to get away from this show. I was nervous about it at first, but now... He seems very sure-footed, and so I don't worry about him. He looks like a squirrel jumping from branch to branch to branch. He just chases. I think I'll start climbing trees. Squirrels need to watch out. This is Animal Radio, baby. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Which one are we going to, Judy? Line one. And line one is Sylvia. Hi, Sylvia. How are you? Um, hi, I'm fine, thank you. Where are you today? I'm in Houston, Texas. Beautiful Houston. How can we help you? I guess I have a um, a question for Dr. Debbie. I have a girlfriend's cockatoo, and uh, she's been chewing on her tail, on her well, her tail feathers and her wing feathers. And is she pulling any feathers out, or is she just chewing on them? She's just chewing them. The feathers are not co- not not coming out. Okay. And do the feathers look normal? Um, are they growing feathers, or what we call the immature feathers, or are they already fully uh, fully developed? They're fully developed. They they were fully developed in about uh, you know I think she started about a month ago. Um, okay. And I noticed that you know she, I thought she was preening, and then um, you know I noticed that her feathers look a little you know different. A little ruffled and um, just just not normal, mm-hmm. and um, I, you know. So, but she's been she continues to do that. 
I don't know if it's um, a nutrition deficiency or if it's the time of the mm -hmm. year when they, uh, you know, that they're, I don't know if they're molting. Um, yeah, well, and birds definitely will molt throughout the year, and that, that process takes weeks, sometimes months, as they get new feathers that replace the old ones. So, and that's a continual cycle, so we should never, you know, really have a bald bird, um, because as those old ones fall out, the new ones will be growing in. Now, I'd have to say, Sylvia, that you've just raised one of the most daunting questions in all of avian veterinary medicine, because Feather picking and feather-related problems in birds are the most frustrating uh, one that we deal with. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that because it is a multifactorial problem. And you ask, you know, could this be something nutritional? Could it be behavioral or medical? And the answer is yes, all of the above. And that's what makes it so challenging is that sometimes it can be something medical, such as an infection, allergies, mites, sometimes it can be something like a nutritional shortcoming. Um, it can also be behavioral in that, um, you know, cage birds, they're beautiful, but out in the wild, they do a lot of bird things, and that is that, that occupies their time and their mind. And in a caged indoor setting, we kind of make it simple. We put this little thing of food in front of them, and we, we talk to them, we play with them, but we've eliminated a good part of their day that's spent being a bird and doing what we call foraging. So some of these things are very, uh, I would never say easy, but some of them can be straightforward. The first thing I would recommend is you do need to find a good avian veterinarian in your area that's comfortable with things because there's some basic tests that we would start with. Um, some of them are related to the feather themselves, where we look at the feather under a microscope, take samples from the skin, and even do lab work. So all of that being said, there's an extensive history we go through if we're trying to help figure out if there's a behavioral-related problem. But some simple things that I would say is one thing that you can do is to try to make enhance your bird's um, uh, environment, and that can also help to decrease boredom and some of the feather-picking-related behaviors. So to do that, you basically have to think how a wild bird would act and eat, and I would offer some foraging opportunities for her. And that would be uh, putting food on the floor, hiding it in uh, little pieces of newspaper, and sometimes we'll even make like wood perches and drill holes and stick their food in there so that they get the opportunity to really think and work, kind of like a toddler, you know, like putting blocks together. So we want birds to think about food that way. And then that helps to take some of their time and their efforts off of picking themselves. Um, that may help you, but I think really you're going to need to see a good avian veterinarian and really get a little bit of some baseline ideas if we have something medical we need to try in addition to that. So I know that's not a lot of an answer, but uh, it's the honest truth. Yes, I was already thinking about, you know, taking taking her to a, to a veterinarian, So, but I just wanted to just get some input from you. Sure, yeah. And I'd say that, you know, um, depending on diet-wise, as far as if she's on seed or pellet or uh, home-cooked foods, you know, there's a lot we can get into that I probably can't cover all of the time limits where Hal gives me that, that look, where he gives me the thumb, you know, like, come on, speed it up, get off the phone. <laughs> but uh, there's definitely a lot of opportunity that we can help your bird. Um, uh, but I'd say let's get you in the right channels and uh, see if we can help your baby. Thanks for your call, Sylvia. Hey, thanks for joining us. we got to go now, and you should get the animal, leash him up, take him out right now, probably a beautiful day where you are, and give him a little bit of exercise. And remember, you know, the best thing that you can give your animal, the best present is, of course, your time. 
and listen to Animal Radio. And you can get your fix during the week at animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We'll see you. And listen to Animal Radio while you're walking your pet. Just makes sense. Bye-bye. Bye. This is Animal Radio Network.